Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. Fantastic. Well, man, I am so excited uh, to be with you here this morning as we start our fall season. God is up to something great at our church. We have a lot of great things happening. Firstly, we're starting our new series today. The idea of this series is, you know, it's easy. uh, Some of you in here in the room have had no experience with church at all. Some of you in the room have had experience with church maybe through uh, maybe another religion, maybe Catholicism, maybe Catholic Church. Maybe you've been a part of the, uh, the, the Protestant Church or you've been a part of the you know, Evangelical Church or whatever church you've been a part of your experience. We have all sorts of ideas and trust me, I know I've been a pastor for 17 years and I've been, I was born in the pew probably, that's why they had to like, not let anyone sit there because I've been born in the church my entire life and so I've had to get my brain out of what it felt like to be in the church for so long that I, I often forget why the church exists. For thousands of years the church has been around and many of us have had some pretty terrible experiences. Many of us have had some pretty uh, awesome experiences. And some of us uh, here today have never had any experience at all. And, you know, I don't know if you've ever, um, ever thought that something was one thing at first and then you realize later that it was something else. Like uh, maybe you've ever met somebody and you're sitting with them and talking to them and they seem like a very normal person. And then afterwards you find out that they were someone really important. I, this happened to me this weekend. If anyone's ever seen the Christian television station Huntley Street, um, I've personally never seen it, but I know it's a pretty popular thing in the Christian community. And I'm a Christian, don't worry. I just don't watch Christian TV. And not that there's anything bad. I just don't have that station on my channel, whatever. Anyways, I'm talking to this guy and I'm talking to him and he's talking about all this stuff and I just have no clue what he's talking about. Kind of find out he's the host of Huntley Street and he's like the main representative for uh, Martyrs, uh, this, this initiative down in China and all these things. And I'm like, oh my gosh. I was at a, a fly fishing trip this, this summer and I was, uh, we were a bunch of guys are playing poker and just hanging around, just having a good time. And, and the guy next to me having a good time, he's 33 years old, talking to him and having a good relationship. And then later on, I find out this guy pastors like a church of 15,000 people. I mean, that's incredible influence. And I'm like, whoa, I didn't realize that, that you had, you know, pastored that many people. That's pretty influential. Or, or maybe it's a vacation spot. I don't know about you, but I know that my, my uh, we, we were in Italy a couple years ago in Sicily. Sicily's beautiful in and of itself. But we went on a walk and literally we stumbled and I was going to put a picture up, but I couldn't find it. We stumbled upon this beautiful cove and it was like went from this brutal kind of hot, nasty walk where we're like, oh, this is awesome. It's Italy. But like, oh man, this is not as great as we thought it was going to be to this beautiful oasis of God country. And it was like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. You know, there's all these different times. My Brea had a good example. I'm going to use it, honey. Don't worry, I got you, girl. Look at her smiling. That's awesome. Uh, you know, have you ever picked up a banana and opened up a banana on the inside? It's all brown and nasty, and you didn't know it was going to be like that. That was her illustration. That was pretty good, huh? Let's give her a hand. That was a good job. Did I say it wrong, maybe? Oh, it's okay. Or maybe, um, I don't know if you've ever seen this car before. This is a... But just imagine a Volvo uh, S80. Ryan Voros likes this stuff. XC90. The same engine that's in an XC90 or a Volvo S80 is the same car, the same engine that's in an M600 Noble. And so when you're driving that little Volvo, taking your kids to school, what you don't know is that you're actually driving in a supercar. Help remind us that sometimes we often see the church like a Volvo, when in reality, it's actually an M600 Noble. 
And often in the church, we underestimate the value of this thing called the church of Jesus Christ because we've had bad experiences or we've heard secondhand information or even we've spent time looking at the history of church and said, how can God be a part of that? We all tend to underestimate it and we see it like a Volvo or we see it like a broken down car or we see that it's dusty and it's archaic or we see it with its problems and we see it with all of its issues when in reality, the church of Jesus Christ is alive and active and transformative and powerful and the church of Jesus Christ is an incredible life-giving place. Many of us have experienced a lifeless, loveless, powerless church. Many of us in this room today are embarrassed to bring our friends to church because the pastor might say something stupid. I'm working on it. Don't worry. <laughs> Many of you today say, oh, I don't want them to come because every time they come and I bring a friend, they make them stand up and we sing a church song for them. Hey, welcome, welcome, welcome to church today. I just made that up just now. That is really good. Come on, James. Put, put some tunes to that. If you're new here today, stand up. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Uh -huh. You know, you go to a church sometimes where it's like, man, they like, like, you just walk in. Have you ever walked into a church before? I know I have. And it just feels dead. It just feels dusty. It just feels archaic. It just feels like this isn't going anywhere. And my heart breaks for churches all across the world. I have a heart for the church because I know that the church of Jesus Christ is life-giving and full of freedom and power and life that you get to be a part of. Some of us today have had experiences with the Catholic Church. My wife and I, will talk a little bit about this today, but my wife and I have spent, had a great opportunity to spend a lot of time in Italy and a lot of time in Paris and, and the UK. Just my wife's family is in southern Italy. And so I remember one time we were in Paris and we were at Notre Dame. And I remember walking in, if you've ever been to the Notre Dame, it's this massive structure and it's absolutely beautiful. And when you walk in, you see a line of people. They're lining up for literally hours just to touch the feet of St. Peter in hopes that they can be healed as they touch his feet. All these people with this sincere, ardent heart to know God and to experience God, yet this archaic, dusty, traditional religious idea of what God meant for church is mixing up the message of what God intended. I remember being with my, fam my wife's family in Italy and we were all sitting around. They had all this charcuterie boards and all this good food and it was amazing. And they all speak Italian and I had Google Translate on my phone and they found out I was a pastor. And on Google Translate, I said, hey, they said, Ryan, can you tell God that I'm sorry for it? They start confessing their sins to me. And I said, Google Translate, no, 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 you can talk to God yourself. They said, what? I said, you don't have to go to a pope and you don't have to go to a priest. You can have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ right now. And guess what? The church is built so that we can have a relationship with the life-giving power of the transformative relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what the church is all about. And yet we have history upon history. I want to teach you something this morning and share with you what I'm so passionate about the church because the church can be something different than what you grew up thinking. The church can be life-giving and the church can be powerful and the church can be filled with joy and the church can be alive and the church can be a place of healing and the church can be a place of transformation and the place can be a, a church can be a place where you develop relationship with one another and even when you get hurt, you forgive one another and even when things are hard, you endure with one another. The church can be a place where we do life together. The church could be a place where we impact nations in Calgary and Canada and the whole world. 
That's the church that God has in mind. And that's the church that God's building here at Love City Church and many churches all across the city. I want to just say this this morning. Did you know the church is not man's idea? Men aren't smart enough for that. I bet I could sit, you know, there, there was a word, a, a, a message from God. Uh, the, the, we call it a prophetic word. It's often when pe- people who have been in the body of Christ for a long time, they, God begins to speak to them. And, and it's, I can teach you that later, but it's proven all throughout Scripture. And it comes through confirmation of many people. And one of the things that this man said to us this year was that, Ryan, your church has a gift for helping restore broken Christians who've been hurt in the church that you guys can find the gold in people where other, other places they have bad experience and you can find the gold and see them restored and see them rejuvenated and restored back to the place where they see hope once again in the body of Christ. The church is not man's idea. And many of us today here have been impacted negatively by the church. You've been hurt by a pastor, you've been hurt by a leader, You've been hurt by a children's worker. You've been hurt by just a church's, maybe their position on certain things. Instead of doing it in a way of love, they've taken a strong position in your life on an area of sin and instead they rejected you instead of loved you and walked you through the biblical form of why. Maybe, maybe the, the church you were part of didn't grow for 50 years or maybe it felt sick and it felt lost. And God's church is not the issue. Fallen man is the problem. I want to say that to you today. We need to get that out in the open. I want to encourage you today. And the reason I can preach on this so excitedly is because I am a product of someone who was kicked around by the local church. And guess what? I realized, Jesus, you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And a redeemed and a restored and a forgiven individual hurt me, but I forgive them. And listen, the church of Jesus Christ is, is built on the po- uh, prophets and apostles as Jesus Christ being the cornerstone. But many of us here today have experienced impact and we've been hurt and we've been injured and a church didn't treat us right and a church didn't do things right. And I wanna say today, I'm sorry that that happened to you. My prayer is that by the end of the day, we can uh, seek forgiveness. But I want you to know that the church is God's idea and he has a heart for a great, healthy church. And God willing, we're building it here in the city of Calgary and we can do it together and have lots of fun doing it. But I want you to know today that the people that hurt you, they are fallen. They make mistakes. They get sidetracked. They get focused on religion and not building a place that helps people have a relationship with Jesus. Religion. And I believe you need to understand today that the church of Jesus Christ is alive and powerful and living and active. It's not dead. It's not dormant. It's not lifeless. Sometimes the church feels that way, doesn't it, right? Even sometimes on Sunday, it takes us a few minutes. It's starting to feel a little dusty and dry. Okay, guys, James, like, let's exercise. Because <laughs> he's trying to wake us up and remind us that we are standing on a foundation of a miracle, of a resurrected Christ. And then when we come into this room, we don't need to be dead and disengaged and broken and hurting. We get to come in as we are. And we get to engage Jesus Christ because Jesus built his church on the resurrection miracle that he performed 2,000 years ago. That's what he intended for his church. But somewhere along the line, the church became a religion. Christianity became a religion. You know that, in fact, Christianity wasn't even something that Christians called themselves. (laughs) Do you know that that wasn't a name that Jesus gave them? 
Do you know that even the disciples didn't call themselves Christians? That was a word. It was actually a derogatory term that was first given to them in Athens when they were persecuting the church because they were so disregarded and hated that they called them like little Christ. It was a mock, mocking term. So the idea of Christianity is not even a biblical thought. What the Bible teaches is disciples, people who choose to follow Christ with all their lives, not a Christian religion, but a personal relationship as a disciple of Jesus Christ. And we look at it 2,000 years ago. We see that 2,000 years ago, Jesus, his last words to the church was in Acts 1.8. It said that you, receive, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so they were supposed to wait in the upper room where they were gathered together, about 120 or so, and they gathered there and they waited and they prayed and they prayed until finally the Holy Spirit came down and 3,000 people gave their lives to Christ from all over the world and they began to do all things in common and they began to live together and they began to have a, Paul began to bring structure and the disciples structure to the church and, and the whole entire church was only based on three rules. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself and be led by the Spirit of God. Those were the rules of the church. But something happened. During this time, there was crazy miracles going on. There was a tremendous unity in the house of God. There was, they were sharing all things in common. No one had anything of their own. Each of each other's finances was one another's. There was miracles and there was, there was transformations and lives were being changed. But this was an illegal religion, a re illegal religion from the perspective of the government. And so they persecuted them and they persecuted them so badly that they would cut their heads off and they would put them in a pen with ravenous dogs and watch the dogs eat them alive. They would put them on a stake and they would burn them alive. And then they would all carry the stake and walk through the city saying, this is what happens to Christians. These people were persecuted and murdered and mistreated. And they were, and guess what happened to the church? It grew. As people began to persecute the church, when people began to have to make a decision that, oh my gosh, this could cost my life. This could mean everything for me. I don't want to steal their thunder, but I just heard a bit of a story about a pastor who was from Afghanistan. I'll let them tell it later. But this pastor just became a Christian, saved all this different crazy stuff, and he's making a personal decision to go back to Afghanistan. And he says, I know that this decision will lead to my death, but I need to expand the gospel into Afghanistan. So when the persecuted church, when they are being persecuted and being, being beheaded and their families are being ripped apart, the church of Jesus Christ began to swell. That's why China is the largest church in all the world because they have to go underground because the government is tearing down their buildings and murdering people and arresting people. The church began to grow. And after many years, of all the different apostles and disciples eventually passed away. And as the church began to be persecuted, something shifted in the Christian landscape. Around 320 AD, a man named Constantine 
had a, a revelation of Jesus Christ, a vision of Jesus. He had a vision of cr the cross of Jesus Christ. And Constantine was the emperor of Rome in that day, gave his life to Jesus Christ. He became a follower, a disciple of Jesus Christ. He was so impacted by it as the Roman emperor of that region. He now took a persecuted uh, walk with God in their mind, a persecuted religion in their minds, and they turned it into the state religion. And this is when the Roman Catholic Church was born. And they said, now it's illegal for you not to be a Christian. And now it's illegal for you not to go to church. It's illegal for you not to give your money. It's illegal for you not to do good things. This is when it shifted from a, a passionate decision to follow Jesus, knowing that it could cost my life, to a decision where I have to do this or I'll be thrown in jail. Now, in order for me to have a life-giving relationship with God, I have to do. I have to go to church and I have to give my tithe and I have to pray and I have to do these things and I have to make it right and I can't have that problem and I can't do with this thing and I can't talk like that and I can't do this 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 and at that moment the church shifted from a life-giving resurrection power walk with God where it cost you your life and if you didn't want to give your life you probably weren't going to be a disciple of Jesus to the point where now everyone was required to be a Christian and the Roman Catholic Church started and the Pope started the bishop started the rule started eventually the Roman Catholic Church wrote their own version of the Bible and they begin to hold the Roman Catholic teachings to the same level as scripture they begin to believe that Peter as the main Pope was on the same level as Jesus himself and they begin to sell clerical offices so when one of the governor's sons needed to get into a place of power the governor's son would come to the Pope and say hey I want my son to be in power I'll pay you and he was paid to be in a place of power and influence where now now they controlled the government, they controlled the, the land, and all these different people shifted from a place of persecution to a place of mandatory relationship with God. This went on for about 1,400 years. And as you know, God began to move. There was, in this time, there were still followers of Jesus. There were still disciples. There were still people pressing into God. At this time, there was still, God was still moving and God was still ministering and God was still using people. During this time of, of, of the, the, the Roman Catholic Church and the, the church now being a state religion, during this time, God continued to move. And then finally, there came a move of God where God began to minister to people's lives. And there were these, these zealots for God, these true disciples of Jesus Christ. And what happened was they were in France and they began to stand against the Roman Catholic Church and say this is no longer about religion. This is not a religion. This is not what was intended. This is not what God wanted. And this goes back to the Protestant Reformation. When a man named Martin Luther stood up to the doors of the church and he nailed he nailed this against the wall. He nailed it against the wall. The 95 Thesis was a list of grievances saying the church was not supposed to be a man-made religion founded on power, founded on influence, founded on all of these things. It was supposed to be a personal relationship with Jesus Christ by faith. Yeah. And he nailed it to the wall. And this is called the Protestant Reformation where we see many of our major, uh, major Protestant different sects of Christianity come from and we see that from this moment forward God, the, things begin to change in the landscape of what happened in, in the Christian world but, but I want you to I want to show you something today 
just two thoughts that come from the, the, the time back when this church started. And I want you to see something that, that you probably, probably have heard, and many of you in the room who've served God for a long time are aware of this, but I believe that God has given our church um, a, 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 a gift or a, a capacity to destroy religion. And I believe that there are people in the room today who have been uh, a Christian and they've been a part of church, but today God wants to bring salvation so that you can start a life-giving relationship with Jesus Christ where you can begin to understand what it feels like to have the, the things that God promises you in Scripture because no longer are you performing for God. No longer are you living according to your religion and your rituals and your ideas of that if I don't do this, this, and this, God won't love me. I believe that God has given us a gift to break down the walls of, of religion in the city of Calgary, that we would be a people who has a personal, passionate relationship with Jesus Christ. Can somebody say Amen with this verse in Mark chapter 15. Jesus uttered another, another loud cry and breathed his last. And the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. So this curtain, 90 feet high, very thick, what had happened was is that this curtain was in front of the Holy of Holies. And behind that was this called the Ark of the Covenant, and they had two cherubim angels, and the angels' wings would touch here, and they would point out this direction, and, and the, biblically it would believe that the presence of God would go from back and forth. The manifest, that was the only place on the planet where the manifest presence of God was in, in Jerusalem behind the veil, and as the veil was behind that place, there, there it was, protecting man from the presence of God. And in order to get into the presence of God, these these high priests, these men who were, were, were redeemed as the line of Aaron, the priest, would go in and do all these rituals and incense and splatter blood and sheep and all these things. All of these ritualistic religion that once God intended to give them that they might understand how to have a relationship with him, man turned it into a religion called Judaism. And in that day, they were very religious. I found it interesting that the Bible wants you to know that the very, very first thing that happened when Jesus uttered his last breath was he destroyed religion. And see, the danger with the body of Christ today is that we get so used to being a follower of God that it goes from a relationship to a religion and we forget that the very first thing Jesus did was destroy the idea, the mindset, the framework in your mind that you have to do certain religious things to get God to love you. That you have to perform and act a certain way and be a certain way. Religion is the number one destroyer of a relationship with Jesus Christ. And many of us today have been in the church for so long that we have forgotten what it feels like to experience the life-giving, transformative power of Jesus Christ in our lives. The veil was torn in two. It was ripped in half. The first thing Jesus did is he destroyed religion. And you know what? He, Jesus didn't really hate anybody. <laughs> He's God. But you know who he didn't like the most? Religious folks. 
you read in the scripture over 75 times, whenever Jesus was ticked off, it wasn't at the prostitute. It wasn't at the guy drinking at the party. He was ticked at the self-righteous Pharisees who went to the church and gave their tithe and looked the part, but didn't have a personal relationship with him. Look what the scripture says. Then Jesus told this story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everybody else. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee. Jesus is obviously not telling a made-up story. This has obviously happened. Two men went into the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a despised tax collector. And the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I am not like the other people, cheaters, sinners, adulterers. Yuck, I'm certainly not like that tax collector over there in church. Can you imagine? Someone in the house of God is here today and maybe they're not close with God. Maybe they don't look the part or whatever. And someone on the other side of the room is looking at them going, thank you, God, that I'm not like the person on the other side of the room. Thank you, God, that I only said the F word once this week. Thank you, God, that I don't look at those things like I used to all the time. Now I do frequently. Thank you, God, that I'm not like that guy over there who just became a Christian. See, in the body of Christ, the moment we begin to think that church should look like this and church should act like that, and I wish we did it like this, you're steeping into religion. Look what he says in this verse. He says, I fast twice a week and I give you a tenth of my income. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow. Oh God, be merciful to me for I am a sinner. And I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Hey, listen, I'm gonna give you one of the top ingredients of our church. We will be humble people who recognize we are in need of God. I don't care how long it's been since you've done that sin. I don't care how much it's been that you've read your Bible. I don't care how long you've been in the church. You are not better than anyone else in this room. We are all in need of a savior in our lives, Jesus Christ. We are all in need of getting on our hands and knees before a righteous God and saying, God, I love you and you are faithful to cover me with all your blood and forgive me as far as the east is from the west. You remove all my sins from me. I don't have to be religious. I get to be a normal person with a normal life who has lots of fun, who eats, drinks, and bees married. Hallelujah, bees married. That's like ghetto talk there. Bees married. I get to be a real person with a real life, with real joy that has real fun, and I get to experience the transformative power of Jesus Christ in my life. Why? Because I'm a part of a church that believes that it's founded on a resurrection miracle of Jesus Christ, and he is also the cornerstone. He's the top, and he's the bottom, and in between is life-giving transformation of freedom for our marriages and for our lives, and addictions being gone, and fresh wind blowing into your heart and new faith like never before and a new day to believe that God can use you like he wanted to use you in the past. Oh, it's old and gone. No, he can use you today to expand, expand the kingdom of God, to reach your neighborhood, to see restoration. Come on, you better say amen this morning. Come on, shout it out real loud. Come on, say it. Amen. Let it be so in our church, oh God. Because you know what? I don't want to be a part of a dusty, old, nasty, stank church. Do you? Because that's not our church. 
We want to be a church that believes that we're going to be the people who stands in worship and says, oh God, have mercy on me, God. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Romans 12.1 says, in view of God's mercy, give your bodies as a living sacrifice. He says, this is actually your acceptable form of worship to God. Yeah. He's talking about your physical body. I give myself and worship to you, God, today because I am in so in need of you. I want you to hear me, and I know I'm being intense today. It's just because I'm so excited about what God's saying to our church. I want you to hear me today. If you ever come into the atmosphere of God and don't think you need him, you've swallowed the pill of religion. And we need to get that out of your system. Give you a holy Heimlich. Religion is dead. Religion has no life. It's, you know what it does? It keeps you in shame and it keeps you in guilt and it keeps you in fear and it keeps you in anxiety and it keeps you depressed and it keeps you down. It keeps you focused on you, 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 you. When, G, when Paul taught, I consider everything rubbish compared to knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. You gotta get your eyes off you. Religion gets your eyes on you. So when you walk in a room or walk in a church and start thinking about you, you're being religious got to start thinking about Jesus and remember that he set you free. Come on, you've been set free to be free. Come on, say amen. amen. I've been free. I've been set free to be free in the name of Jesus. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is. Amen. Come on, so this place. And we need to get out of it. We need to shake it up. If you're not in a place of freedom today, hey, I live my life not in freedom. Guys, I was a pastor for so many years and I was addicted deeply Pastor at a dang church. It's not today, hallelujah. You guys are like, oh no. <laughs> because I finally realized that the more fun we can have in the presence of God and the more freedom we have in the presence of God and the more honest I am about the fact that, that sometimes I have a short temper and sometimes I think negative thoughts and sometimes I screw up here and sometimes I make mistakes there. And guess what? I am the number one person in line here today who needs the saving grace of Jesus Christ. And I want our church to be a church who says, God, we need you so bad. Yeah. Lost people out here don't know you need you so bad. I don't want to be a dusty religious place. I want to be like Martin Luther and slam that nail on the door of religion and say, your time is up. Yeah. And we are going to be a church that stands against religion because Jesus doesn't love it. He humbles those who exalt themselves and he exalts those who humble themselves. This whole church is based on a miracle. I want you to think about that for a minute. I want you to, the words just get into your mind. I'm just gonna kind of land the plane here, but I want you to let these words, come on, get it in your head, get it in your spirit. The church of Jesus Christ was started with a miracle. It started with a man named Jesus saying, I'm gonna rise from the dead. I'm gonna be buried for three days. And on that third day, I will rise from the dead. And guess what? He rose from the dead. That is the foundation of your faith. So if the foundation of your faith is, is making sure you understand the end times, uh, uh, end times eschatology, you've missed it. That's up to Jesus. What we need to understand more than anything else in our minds isn't how we should pray, even though that's valuable. 
isn't necessarily how to read your Bible, although very valuable. All those things are good. You need to start with this one simple truth. Jesus Christ died on the cross, was buried for three days, rose on the third day, and now you have the same life-giving power living in you. Once I know that, guess what? You start to pray. Because you know what I'm praying is going to happen. Once you know that, you start to get into your word. Oh my gosh, the power of God that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in me? Well, then he's going to open up my eyes to see in his word. Then you start loving other people. Then you start giving of your time and giving of your finances and giving of your energy. If you start this journey in your walk with God, being a dead, lifeless, religious Christian, you are not going to have very much fun. <laughs> Think about it. we're supposed to have fun. We're supposed to have fun when things are terrible. Think about this for a minute. When, you're, when there's cancer in your home, though we reject it and we rebuke it, when there's sickness, when there's death, when there's disease, when there's difficulty, when there's hardship, guess what? God gives you joy. So we say, okay, I'm gonna follow God and he's gonna give me this great life. Yes, we pray you're blessed and you're blessed and you're coming in and you're going out. We believe he's gonna bless you financially. He's gonna bless your marriage. He's gonna bless your home. But sometimes you know, life hits a yield. It hits a detour. And all of a sudden you realize this is not what I signed up for. And guess what? God gives you joy, unexplainable joy that's deeper than anything you've ever experienced. You say, why do I feel so much joy and I'm facing this? It's because the resurrection power of Jesus Christ lives in you. So we don't have permission to live in our depression for too long. I get mental challenges and I get the, the February for me, and I, I take vitamin D, and I gotta take a vacation in February, and all these things you need to be smart about. But I wanna remind you today that the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in you. For the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. It is living by God's power. 2 Peter 1.4. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises. I want you to see this. Look at the bold. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature. <laughs> if the spirit of, of the one who has raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, the one who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your human bodies also through his spirit that lives in you. And you, the church of Jesus Christ has had more influence on our planet than any other thing in the world. 500 million, or 5 million churches across the world today. You know that from 1901 to 2000, 100 years of, of Nobel uh, Prizes, 65% of them were Christians. 369 AD, uh, the church built the first hospital and it's still the largest provider of healthcare in history. First to stand up for rights for children and 
created the first and the largest orphanage system in the entire world. One out of 100 of the first 110 universities started in America were founded on Christian institutions, Harvard, Dartmouth, Yale, Princeton. The church is what the government could never be. Every day it brings fresh food and, 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 and helps fresh water to people across the world, and widows and orphans. And we as a church have given almost $35,000 away since, our, well, since we've started to help refugees and to help widows and to help orphans. The church of Jesus Christ is alive and active. It's not dead. It's not dormant. It's not dusty, archaic, and stinky. It's alive, and it smells good. God is up to something in the church in the city of Calgary and the church in Canada. God is up to something. He's up to something. He's up to something. And you get to be a part of what God's doing in this place. I want to read this last verse, and then we're going to pray. I've said this several times today, but I want you just to see it. For the Lord is the Spirit. And wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. So here's the test. No freedom, no Spirit. Wouldn't we, if we did the math on this verse, wouldn't you agree that that's what that would mean? For the Lord is Spirit. Okay, so God's Spirit he rose Jesus Christ from the dead. The same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in us. And wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. So if the spirit of the Lord is in this place, there's freedom. If you are filled with the spirit of God, if you've made a personal decision to be a follower of Jesus Christ and the spirit of God lives in you, guess what? There's freedom. What's happened is, as there's a, a devil, an enemy, who has a scheme to trick you into thinking that you have to stay in the place that you're at. It's just this idea of layers, I call it a negative script, this negative script from the enemy that says, okay, I was wired this way, or I, 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 I was raised this way, or I was taught this way. Well, guess what? Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And I know that there's people in the room, I won't mention his name, I won't mention her name, but there's people in the room today that have experienced the absolute freedom of the Spirit of God in their life, where there was addiction and now there's not addiction, where marriages were broken and now they're restored, where they thought one way and now they think another way. The Spirit of God wants to bring freedom to your life. And I wanna to speak to this thing I see in the spiritual realm, this kind of curtain that I see, being a barrier between us and an experience with God. Well, I speak to that barrier in your mind this morning, that barrier of religion. And I want you to know today where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Freedom, freedom, freedom. I want you to hear me. Freedom, listen, freedom, 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 freedom. Freedom, 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 freedom. No more depression, no more discouragement, no more fear, no more anxiety. Freedom in the name of Jesus. That's where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is. And that's what the church was founded on, freedom. The same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives where? Say it real loud. In me and us. I want you to hear me today. 
as we talk about the purpose of the church, this is our foundation. I believe God wants to bring freedom to your life today. He wants you to know that you're a part of a local church, a family that wants to do things. We believe what the Bible teaches, that we destroy religion. We accept that Christ lives in us. We love God with our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Therefore, we love our neighbor as ourselves. We're led by the Spirit of God. Our moral truth is founded on Scripture. And we watch God move in our midst. And you and I get to do it together. Amen? Would you close your eyes for a minute? Come on, you're here today. And you come on, you heard this kind of just message today. And you say, Ryan, come on, that's me. I'm not going to embarrass you. Every eye closed this place because I know how hard it is to admit when there's a moment when I know I need to respond. It's like an act of faith to say, okay, God, I know it's just raising my hand. I know I'm just taking a step out. But Lord, we believe that as they raise their hand this morning, there's going to be a destruction of religion in their life this morning. Come on, if you're here today with every eye closed, you say, Ryan, that's me. I, I realized this morning that, gosh, I just want to start this over. I want to, I want to pursue Jesus again. I, I want to start a relationship with him. Come on, you're here today and you're a follower of Jesus Christ. And you realize this morning, that you've been living in a place of religion and you want to see yourself set free this morning. Come on, every eye closed in this place. On the count of three, I want hands all across this place. Come on, amen, that's awesome. Come on, in the name of Jesus. Come on, Father, right now I pray for the people in this room, God. Lord, I pray that the same power, the, the Lord that, that lives in you, Father, would live in us, God. And I pray right now, Father, that you would destroy religion in their life. Right now, Father, we tore the veil right now that's, that's kept them from having a relationship with you. And I pray, Father, right now, their minds have been wired to think a certain way. And I pray even right now, Holy Spirit, that you would renew their mind by the transformation of their thinking. There would be a transformative power, a metamorphosis power in their thinking right now in the name of Jesus Christ. A new thought, a new idea, a new man, a new woman in the name of Jesus Christ today. Come on, with every eye closed, you're here today. And you say, Ryan, I want to give my life to Jesus. I came here today, and I don't think I have a relationship with God, and I'd like to go on that journey. I don't know what that looks like, but I would like to start that journey today. Come on, with every eye closed, you say, Ryan, that's me today. I'd like to start a relationship with Jesus. I'm not a Christian today. I'm not a follower of him. I've fallen away, and I'd like to give my life to him today. Come on, anybody in the room today, on the count of three, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you forward. I just want to know who the church is praying for today. On the count of three, one two, three. Come on, put your hand in the air this morning. Come on, anyone in the house today need to give their lives to Jesus Christ? Come on, amen. 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 Church, why don't you pray with me today? Come on, real loud. Dear Lord Jesus. Come on, real loud. Dear Lord Jesus. I need you in my life. I need you in my life. I need you in my life, Jesus. I need you in my life, Jesus. I want to start a journey with you today. I want to start a journey with where I know you better. Where I know you better. Help me, God. Help me, God. In the areas of my struggle. In the areas of where I fall short. Where I fall short. Time and time again. Time and time again. Will you help me, God? Come on, church. Will you help me, God? I give my life to you today. I give my life to you. Today. I give my mind to you today. In Jesus' mighty Jesus. name. Come on, everybody said. Amen. Amen. Come on, if you need prayer today. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.